0: Right, what a great question, right? Don't we have that as parents? Yeah, go ahead and clap, man. It's okay if you clap. We're just, you know, it, it just really is just kind of this understanding of, you know, that uh, we're, we're called to prepare our kids. And so we've been doing a series the last few weeks on that. And I know that, you know, some of you are like, we don't have kids at home anymore. Well, I believe your voice always matters in your kid's life. You know, it should. You know, it's, uh, I'm grateful that, um, you know, uh, my, my daughter and my son-in-law, were in, they were in this first service on the front row of my my son and daughter-in-law, they're in the service on this row, and, and our other son, he's in Amarillo, probably in church this morning. But I mean, we have a relationship that we still talk to each other. And so, we, you know, part of our thing is to make sure that our kids are ready for every season that they're in, for every part of it. Now, again, I know this, and some of you are like, I don't have kids. I don't like kids. I, I kind of get that sometimes. I don't like kids. And so, you know, this, what does this have to do with me? Well, my hope is that it speaks to you still about your own life personally. Because the first week we talked about this. And we want to pack in our kids' suitcase to prepare them for this journey that they have into their own life for a a world that our presence won't be as prevalent in. And then probably at some point, physically, we won't be there at all. But Jesus will be. And so we want to make sure that they have their own relationship with him. And then last week, and we all need that too, right? Whether we're parents or not, whether we're putting that in our kids' lives, we need that as well. And then last week, we talked about putting God's stuff first. And so we, uh, you know, we need that as well, but also teaching our kids that. So today I want to talk to you about this. And that is, is that godly friendships are critical, that they're critical for our kids, that they direct them. They, they keep them accountable. There's just different things like, and not only are they critical for them, but they're critical for us, not just good friendships, but godly friendships, that they're critical that we have that. You know, Proverbs says this, that when you run with the wise, your wise, a companion of fools, will suffer harm and different things like that. Well, you know what? I I can sit here and talk about it, but I actually have a couple of friends with me this morning that we've known each other for a long time. I'm going to have them come up here and help me talk about this for a few minutes this morning. These are my good friends, Kelly Riggs and Keith Martin. So if you would give them a hand as they come up here and And so, and by the way, I know that this is like homecoming weekend for Claremore, and so, I, do we have any alumni here from Claremore that are here? We want to recognize you guys. Let's give them a big hand and say thanks for being here, and, and um, all, all three of us are that, but we've been friends for, for a long, long time, and so um, uh, I, I want to show you a picture of when we were a little younger, so this is a picture of when we were a little younger, so yeah, I mean, you guys were way hairier back then, and so... Um, I, I clearly haven't changed at all um, and so you know it's, we used to ha- hang out back then and that kind of thing I, I was the smarter of the three and so clearly the better looking but uh, um, so so anyway you guys <laughs> you guys introduce yourself
1: and tell everybody who you are I'm Kelly Riggs and uh, I had the privilege of graduating from Claremore High School but I came here in my sophomore year my wife and I have been married now for 42 years I have three children uh, five grandchildren and uh, we reside in Broken Arrow now. Yeah.
2: And I'm Keith. And uh, w- I've known Rick for a long time. Again, we all three graduated. This is our 45th reunion this weekend at Claremore's homecoming. And uh, so we've had a great weekend. We thought this would be a great time to to share as as uh, in this group with you. And uh, my wife Lisa and I have lived in Claremore. We have two kids and six grandkids. I'm a professor at Roger State
0: University. Yeah. So uh, uh, give a hand. Clearly, in, um, Keith is the smarter of the three. Well okay. I mean, it's, it's not a big, it's not a big contest to win, let me tell you. I don't you know, have so, any you know, initials right. after my name. I don't. And so, uh, you know, Kelly's a, he's, he's a business coach. And like he said, he came to Claremore and he's a sophomore. And Keith and I have known each other since we were seven or eight years old. And we used to play baseball against each other. They cheated. And so, um, uh, you know, and, and um, but I, I still loved him. And yeah. we, we, uh, uh, we played baseball against each other in North Tulsa, and then uh, after several years, we ended up uh, moving, our family's moved to Vertigris mine, mine, and then his his did, and we continue being friends, and so, so we've known each other for a long time, and these guys are great friends of mine, and, and they're kind of a picture of, uh, you know, you saw the one picture that, the, that we had, and so here's a recent picture, you know, just as so though we're still connected with each other's life and that type of thing, and so... Um, but, you know, I, I think, you know, one of the things that we don't get a lot of times as parents is that, you know, if I were to say, hey, look, you know, is, is it important who your kids hang out with? You, you would say yes, but, but I, I don't think we really understand the seriousness or the value of it. You know, we were, we were trying to think, I was meeting with a couple of the staff people like, hey, what's a, what's a good title for this? And we we're trying to think of just the right word. I think it was Gabby that said, but godly friendships are critical. Not, not just that they're important, but they're critical. They, they, they play a significant role and what we do, and and um, you know, and who we are, and so in in our walk with God, especially, they play a significant role in that. that. It's it's not a small thing, and and not only is it critical for our kids, but it's critical for us. You know, it, it doesn't it doesn't become less important when we graduate high school. Who our friends are, that they they still steer us. You know, the the New Testament. When you look, it's it's just you know there's these relationships, our relationship with God. And then when Paul would write letters, he would always say, hey, and, and give my regards to so-and-so who helped me, and this person who helped me, and this person that was a part of it. And, and um, you know, he just, just you know, Jesus didn't send them out individually. He sent them out two by two. And so it was such a critical thing with that. And so, you know, I, I think it's, you know, we, we realize that friendships for our kids matter, but I want to embrace, I want you to embrace that more. Again, where we're, we're not good intentioned, reactionary parents, but we're visionary parents trying to make sure that we help our kids develop friendships in their life, especially those that we see that have the potential to be godly because they become so critical in our life. And I mean, I think that's what we have, right? I mean, so um, you know, Keith, we we knew each other, uh, you know, like I said, since we were little and and that type of thing. So we've seen each other like in every season of life.
2: You know, I'm convinced, Rick, that uh, pastor Rick, sorry. Rick, Rick's fine. <laughs> sorry. Compared to what you said the first service, yeah. it's, you know.
0: <laughs>
2: so I, I'm convinced that God uses a lot of things as catalysts for our faith or uses a lot of things to grow our faith. One is, one is teaching. One is a pastor that teaches us or a teacher, an Aaron that teaches us. And, uh, you know, I'm also convinced that he uses circumstances in our life to grow our faith. He, he, he uses our service to grow our faith, and, and so all, of his, the word, to grow our faith, but I think maybe the fifth thing that he uses to grow our faith is what you've been talking about, and that's that's providential relationships. In the first service, we use that word, providential or opportunistic relationships, people that, that God drops into your life at key seasons of your life. And you've probably said this, and, and if not, I, I hope this stimulates your thought that you know I wouldn't have made it. Through that season of life, if that person wouldn't have been in it, I, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have made it without them. You, you fill in the blank. My my faith would not be what it is now. My my faith story wouldn't be what it is now if that person wouldn't have been in my life at just the right time. And you know those are providential relationships, providential friendships that we talk about. And and I've you know, Rick, I remember we told this story in the early. I, know, I don't think you remember the story. I do. But we, we competed from second grade all the way through sixth grade in North Tulsa and back in the 60s. And, and you know, we, we won all the baseball games and all the basketball. He says we cheated. We didn't cheat. They, we, they did. No, we, but, but in football, his, we were competing elementary schools. And I remember as a sixth grader, 12 years old, getting stomped by Rick's team his dad was the coach they beat us 66 to 6 6th grade football they beat you, us
1: you th- hadn't dad. learned how to cheat in football that, yet. <laughs> I,
0: I had so much frustration if we could have beat him 100 to 6 I would have so I mean it's just
2: <laughs> I remember the 6 because I scored the 6 that's how bad it was but I remember this our coach was so frustrated he was just a dad he was just somebody's dad and and I remember him, he said, we're not going to go shake their hands after the game. It was the fourth quarter. He said, we are not going to go. He, you know, he thought they cheated. He thought, and they did probably, but they, <laughs> he said, we're not going to do it. But I, I had friends I'd known, I'd been playing against these guys since the second, I knew them. And so I went out, I kind of snuck out to midfield. They all came off the field. O'Brien Park in North Tulsa. I remember the football field. And we met and, and I, the first person I met, first person I shook hands with, was Ricky Burke, not Rick Burke, Ricky Burke? You know, black glasses, black rim glasses, and and I remember him. We met, and, and there were several other friends there that that we just shook hands, and I just I was the only one that shook hands with. I walked away thinking, I want friends like that. I want friends like that, and it, by the providence of God. He allowed us, Rick's family moved to the Verdigris area a year or so after that. And a couple of years later, my family moved to the Verdigris area after that. And we became friends and were able to compete uh, on sports teams together. And then then I remember our our sophomore year in football and very formative years. And uh, I remember in the the defensive secondary, there was this guy that showed up just out of the blue, just transferred from Tulsa in in the portal and, you know, just, you know, He was, he was like, you know, brash. He was confident and, you know, trash talk. And, you know, he played that corner. I played this corner. And, and we just, I said, I want that guy as my friend. I, want I hated him. him. I want. So I so, just
1: hated him. I got that a lot, actually. <laughs> yeah.
2: And so we just, we, we had that friendship from early on. But, it, but one of the things that really brought us together was our faith. And, and God just providentially, I, I look back on my life, and God has providentially dropped people in my life. Hey, I remember Mr. Boffman's ninth grade history class at Will Rogers Junior High. My wife, Lisa, was in that class. And, and I remember I remember her in that class. We were not very attracted to each other at that time, but I remember her being in that class. And later on, a year later, I gave my life to Christ. And guess the three people that were in my life to help my faith grow? And it was these three people. And God providentially dropped him in my life at just the right time. I'm reminded of a scripture. And when we talked about this, this is the first scripture I thought of. It's when Jesus was being baptized in John chapter 1, the gospel of John chapter 1. Jesus was baptized by his cousin, John the Baptist. And there were two disciples of John the Baptist. One was Andrew. And Andrew spent the day with Jesus. And then he immediately went and got his his brother, Peter, Simon, and brought him to Jesus. He said, hey, just, just come and see. But there was another disciple of John, and this, this, his name was Philip. Philip went to a friend, and it says in John chapter 1, he went to Nathanael. He said the first thing he did, he went to Nathanael, a friend, and said, you have got to come see this guy. Moses talked about this guy. The prophets in the Old Testament talked about this guy. He said he's, he's the son of Joseph, he's from nazareth and nathaniel nathaniel was a lot like these guys he was kind of cynical he said you know can 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 anything really good come from nazareth it'd be like you and i saying can anything good come from texas or you know thank thank god for arkansas you know that's what nathaniel said and but can you and but but nathaniel with him can you i, I can envision this it's not in the bible but i i know nathaniel's like us that later in life 10 40, five, 10, 15 years down the road, how many times did he stop and think and say, I am so glad that God brought Philip into my life because he took me to Jesus. Godly friends take people to Jesus. Godly relationships take people to Jesus. You know, how many times I could see Nathaniel thinking, you know, I I saw we fed 5,000 people with, with a couple of loaves of bread, we we I saw somebody raised from the dead, I saw the blind see, I saw lepers healed. How many times did he stop and think and say, "I am so glad Philip came and brought me to Jesus?" And those are those providential relationships that that we're talking about. and they build our faith. They're critical to our faith. I wrote this down and and I can't quote it like you. I'm not as good as quoting like you are like you are. I said this: the people we choose to do life with, and those our children choose to do life with, they impact the power and the depth of our faith. Amen. I've heard it. I've heard it said like this, and I, I always thought this was a bit of an overstatement, but I don't think so anymore. That our friends, the friends of our kids, they determine the trajectory and the quality of our life. Sounds like a strong statement but it's very true. It's good. You know, godly friendships, godly relationships always take people to Jesus. So I do this. I, Rick, I, one of the things I do as a parent and, and our kids are grown and, and they have kids of their own now, grandkids, and and we're not, you said this, I'm not in their lives 24-7 anymore. Uh, I'm, I'm distant from them, but this is a consistent prayer that I pray almost every day is I pray that God sends somebody, a coach, a teacher, a co-worker, an employer, a friend, somebody who sees my kids and grandkids as people of worth and people of value. And they take it upon themselves to intervene in their lives. That's a prayer that I pray almost every day. And when I walk away from that prayer, Rick, I think, okay, what's my responsibility? It's good. Where's my part in that now? You know who, What role am I going to play now, in, in those relationships? But but those are the kinds of relationship, to, to, critical relationships that we forge that grow our faith.
0: It's good. Well, you know, and the, you touch on John one forty six. It says uh, when he said, uh, Nathaniel said Nazareth." Exclaimed uh, Nathaniel, "Can anything good come from Nazareth?" I love what Philip said. He said, "He said, come and see for yourself." You know those three words come and see. Yeah, they really are. You know we we talked when we were talking about this this message. You know we we talked about the the commonalities we had. You know there were natural things that like we liked football. We liked sports. The picture that you saw when we were younger. Uh, they, we were playing Risk and it was a game that we played quite often. These these guys they they cheated at that too. And so, but uh, but we had those interests. But we also we we loved we had a relationship with Jesus. You know that was just there was connected. And so I, I want to reiterate what you said that as a dad, one of the things that you do is that you pray. T- tell everybody again what you pray for for uh, when you think about your kids for their friendships and that type of thing. What is it you pray?
2: I, do, I pray that there are people there to intervene in their lives, that they see my kids and grandkids as people
0: of worth and value. That's good. Good. So you say. Like, what, what do I do? Is What's the application here? Well, as a parent, man, first of all, to begin to pray that there'll be those people in their life that, that will see that, that worth and value. Pray for them and and again, don't wait until they become adults. You know, these friendships started in our childhood. And, um, and you know, they've carried out through them. So, so that's good. You know, I, I want to share with you 2 Corinthians 6, um, verse 14. It says this. It says, don't team up with those who are unbelievers. Now, if we don't understand the context of this, that can be a bit confusing. Because it's not saying don't love people that are unbelievers. My circle of love includes anybody. I'll love, I'll love anybody that, will, that, you know, that wants to be a part of my life. I'll love, I've made a decision. I'm going to love whoever's in front of me. However, there is a distinction between people that we love and people that we've, you know, harnessed our life with, that we've connected with, that we've engaged with, that that we, whether we realize or not, that we're journeying with right now. Friendships are those people, and there are there are some things that that are intended in regards to that for our own life, but also for our kids. And it says this is don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? And what union can there be between God's temple and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will live in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. So, so Paul was given instruction to believers, to the church. And he said, look, he said, you can't team up. You can't be harnessed together. The King James, I think, uses the word yoked together. It's not just in reference to marriage, but it's, but it's in reference to friendships that we connect with. Because we won't have the things in common that we need to. If you're taking notice number two is this, godly friendships keep us engaged with God's things. You know, one of the things that we talked about was that, um, you know, providential friendships. And the truth of the matter is, is that however long your walk is, you, we all go through seasons where we're disappointed distracted, discouraged, bored, or any of those things. You know, I've, I've said this before that I've had seasons in my life where I feel like Jesus is my roommate, that we're engaged, we see each other every day and that kind of thing. And other times I feel like he's on a mission trip to China with no access to him whatsoever. Anybody ever felt that way? Maybe you're in that position right now where it's like, yeah, he's like He's, he's in China somewhere, our cell phones aren't working, we can't even talk. And so so we have those moments. They, they did a study about people that, that, you know, it's not like they were always perfect, but even when they drifted, they never drifted so far that they didn't come back. And they, they said, what, what do they have in common? And here was the thing they said they had in common. And that is, is that they all had providential friendships that were Christ followers themselves. In other words, if they drifted, they had a friend in their life that would pull them back. And, I, and that's what these guys have been. And, I, you know, and I've had, you know, their, their covenant friendships that that they have the ability to look at me and to talk to me, and, and to, you know, if I ever drift off, that to bring me back, that, that we have that. and So it's so necessary in our life. You know, I, I think sometimes, you know, as parents, we look and we're like, man, I did everything I knew to do, and, and I just, you know, I, just, you know I've, I don't think I was a bad parent, but I see where my kids are right now. Well, in all likelihood, I'll guarantee you probably weren't a bad parent. You're probably a very good parent. But I, I think, you know, we don't realize, we talk about how important friendships are. But I really don't think we realize that they're critical. They're critical that some kids drift away because for whatever reason, they had you, but they never had that friend that looks at them and goes, what are you doing? I've said this before, that when God wants to do something in our life, he puts a person in it. But I believe this too, they're strategic. The devil, if he wants to do something in our life, he puts a person in it. When I was in student ministry, people would ask me, they would say, you know, uh, man, my kids just really changed, and I don't know what's going on with them. But the first thing I asked was, do they have any new friends in their world? And I used to do this illustration with students when I was a youth pastor, and that is, is that I would say, "You know, that you know, imagine that if you had a friend, that you had to drag them everywhere you go. Everywhere you go, and I said, at some point you'll get so weary, and I would have them actually come up front, have one of the friends lay on the ground. I say, now you know you're going to church, so drag him to church, okay? Now you're going to Bible, say so drag him. At some point, you get so weary of dragging them from one place to the other that you need to be that eventually you just settle for where they are. And so it's just so critical for us. You know my story. I was raised in church. My parents went to church. You know, like regularly, like almost weekly and that type of thing. But, but here's the interesting thing. I, I, I don't share this often. I share it every now and then, but in our sophomore year, we kind of had a revival breakout in our school. And I think it, I know it impacted me. Uh, you know, Kelly, you were raised in church as well. Right. Right. And then Keith, you go ahead you weren't raised in church. Very inconsistent. Yeah. Inconsistently. But, but I, that, that time impacted me. And so, but up until that time, my faith was kind of undercover. In other words, you know, unless you saw me at church, you probably wouldn't know I was a Christian. And so I remember that we did weekly Bible studies and, and uh, Keith and Kelly's wives are up here, Rhonda and uh, Lisa. And so and they're both clever grads, but Lisa, at her house, they would do a weekly Bible study. So all of those high school students would show up over there. And we had this friend, this mutual friend named Laurie Parsons. And I remember that I, the first time I went, she looked at me, she goes, Burke, I didn't know you were a Christian. And it, that resonated, not in a good way with me. I'm like, Really? What is it about my life that you didn't know that? And I mean, and she wasn't trying to be mean or ugly. She was my friend and she didn't have a mean bone in her body unlike these guys. But the um <laughs> but just that moment just really stuck with me. But my my life changed. I, w- I was raised in home, went to church every week, and yet in that season of life, the greatest impact on me beginning to live my faith in a public way were these friendships. I think one of the challenges is some of us are really good about making sure our kids go to church, making sure they go to youth group, but a lot of times we don't give them vision as to why it matters. Say, you're just going because I said so. And so they go and they get bored and they don't have vision for it. But one of the reasons why we take them there is is not so that they can be ministered to, not so they can have an opportunity to serve, but to give them an opportunity to connect with people in relationship. And maybe it's one of those places that providential relationships are created, so, so the application I would give to you as a parent is get your kids in those places, man. Get them to church. Get them to youth on Wednesday nights. Get them to, to those retreats and the camp and things like that. But, but get beyond. Make it greater than you just being a good parent and making sure they're where they're supposed to be. Share with them why it matters. Give them vision so that it, when they have those opportunities to connect and create friendships that will, get, that, that will go with them for the rest of their life, that will direct their influence and, and have an impact on their destiny that they know, hey, I'm not going here just because my parents said I have to, but it's connected to the vision that God has for my life of who he's called me to be, not just years from now, but right now. And so we do that. So number two is this, is that godly friendships keep us engaged. When, when I get my feelings hurt and I've got that friendship that says, come back here, don't get your feelings hurt, stay in church. When I get disappointed, hey, it's okay, you know, the, the, everybody's human, they all make mistakes. When I get bored, you know, or I get frustrated or, or disinterested, that I have those friends in my world. I don't need people giving me reasons to miss. I can come up with those on my own. I need friends in my life that will encourage me when they see me missing, that will, that will engage with me and, and pull me back to where God has me. And so, what Keith said, first of all, that, you know, godly friendships always take us to Jesus. Well, second of all, they keep us engaged with God's things, and that's why they're so critical for our kids' lives, not just now, but in the years to come.
1: Kelly? First Samuel chapter 18, verses uh, 3 and 4. We learn a little bit about David, and I'm sure all of us in the, in the audience have heard about David, may have some intimate familiarity with his story. But in uh, First Samuel 18... It says that Jonathan made a solemn pact with David because he loved him like himself. And he loved him so much that he took off his robe and his tunic and his belt and his sword. And he gave all of those things to David because he wanted him to know how deep he wanted that friendship to be. In fact, in the New Living Translation where it says solemn vow... The word is actually covenant, which has a much stronger meaning in our language, because a covenant, especially in the Old Testament, and for us as Christians, we're covenanted with God. It's a contract. It's a binding agreement. And he wanted to have that agreement with David. If you know anything about David's early life, David was always at war. He was always under duress. He was always stressed, and he needed someone in his life. He's the man that wrote in Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 24 that if a man doesn't have reliable friends, he will soon come to ruin. Parents, I want you to think about what that means for your children. Your children need reliable, covenanted friends. And in my experience, we often don't think about that until they have the wrong friends. We're not doing something proactively to ensure that they have those friends in their lives. I'm, I moved to Claremore as, as they've mentioned uh, the summer before my sophomore year. I was a 14-year-old kid, and how many of you have ever moved to a new high school? Uh, you know where you have no friends, and you move there, and you know somewhere in that high school year. Has anybody ever done that? Look at all the hands that are out there. You know what it's like that 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 arrogant, trash-talking, brash kid that that Keith was talking about, that masked an awful lot of insecurity. A kid who didn't know anybody, who didn't know who to be and how to be, and God put those providential relationships into my life. It's so important to understand as parents, what do you do now when your children are younger, when they're preteens, when they're just entering that really tricky phase of life when they're trying to figure out who they are and who they need to be as God's people. You know, I I was raised in the church, if you will. My dad didn't go to church. Uh, My dad traveled a lot. He was military and didn't see him a whole lot. My mom was an extreme introvert, and so the good thing that she did is she had us boys, me and my two brothers, she had us in church every Sunday. But as a 14-year-old kid, I didn't really understand what faith was and I didn't understand what that looked like in real life And I didn't begin to live it until those years came upon me and and God knew that I needed that providential relationship. When I was a younger man, there was a guy that shared something with me that I'm sure many of you have actually heard, and that is that every one of us, every single person in this room, you need three people in your life. You need a Paul in your life. You need a mentor. You need a coach. You need a guide. You need someone to teach you the deeper truths of, of Jesus and of spiritual things and of what your walk should look like. And every one of you need a Timothy in your life as well, because when you learn, you need to pass it up. You need to pass it forward. You need to begin to develop the next generation of people who come to Jesus. And then he said this, we all need, all of us, need a Barnabas, that son of encouragement. We need someone who can speak truth into our lives, someone who can, who can make a difference in our lives, who can tell us when we're walking down the wrong path, who can look us in the eye and tell us exactly what we need to hear, especially when it comes to those godly things that you guys have been talking about. I, I can remember struggling throughout you know, those early years and, and being in high school and, and then coming to know these people and being at that that particular Bible study, and realizing there were a lot of godly people around me. And it really strengthened me and encouraged me. Parents, what are you doing to encourage that young child in your lives? I know one of the things that, that we did, and, I, and I'm led to believe that it made a difference in their lives, but I would write things on a, on a 4 by 6 note card and give it to my kids and and put it on their mirrors in their bathroom. And one of the things we always said is, go out and make someone feel important today. And I can't tell you how many times my kids would go out the door to go to school, and I'd say, find someone who's hurting and make them feel important. In fact, I've told kids for years, if you want to be popular, and we all did, we all wanted to be popular, and that hasn't changed. If you want to be popular, make someone else feel important, and you'll never have a shortage of friends, because we're all struggling with that insecurity. You know, if you read 1 John chapter 1 and verse 7, it says, If we walk in the light as he is in the light, then the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. Folks, that, that walk was never intended to be alone. Never. He gave us not only our relationship with the Lord, but he gave us this community, the church. But he also gave us those providential relationships the people that we can confess to, that we can be real with. And I want you to think about the enemy. I want you to think about Satan and what the word says is that he roams about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Think about how lions hunt in the real world. Lions seek to isolate the weaker prey and then attack them when they're alone. And that's the way Satan works in your life. That providential relationship, that godly influence in your life, that's the one who's going to make a difference, because godly relationships are intended to last for a lifetime. They're intended to last throughout all the different seasons of life, and that's exactly what's been my case with these two guys.
0: Yeah, that's good. You know, it's uh, and yeah. Go ahead, and clap. It. you did the job. So. So, you know, I, I love what you did with your kids, writing them notes, being an encouraged. And I think it did two things. One is it kind of created the kind of friendships they look for, but also it, it gave them vision for the kind of friends they they needed to be. And I, you know, I think those things right. are good. Yeah. And, and we talk about you know, one of the reasons why godly friendships are critical, even as kids, is because like with these guys, they're friendships that we had when we were kids. And they've continued into my life. They've become covenant friendships. And so, um, you know, just recently... Uh, it was one of those things that it was uh, not confidential, but it was private. I, the, I, I didn't share it because with a lot of people, because there wasn't much to share at that point. I was going to share it later, but uh, a month, you know, a month or two ago, I, I went into the doctor, did a physical. You know, things were they were better. You know, they, uh, you know, when you get older, they, certain things they look for, and and so I had some numbers that were better. But I'd heard about a thing where they do kind of an it's not an X-ray, but similar to that. And they uh, they look and see if you have any plaque buildup in your arteries. And my dad uh, died from heart disease. And so it was one of those things I was kind of looking at. And, and so I said, can I get that done? And he said, well, do you, do you have any pain or anything? I said, no, I feel good. And he said, well, yeah, I guess we can get that done. So I went in. And when they looked at it, um, there were there were three of the arteries were pretty good. But one, my the widowmaker, maker, it was the numbers were high. And so um, the doctor called, you know, he reached out to me. And he said, you know, I'm c- kind of concerned about this. We want you to do a stress test. And see if you have any blockage. And I said, "Oh, okay." So I did a stress test. and You know how much fun those things are. It's like you know stress test, <laughs> prostate. I mean, it's, anyway. So, um, so uh, I did it. And uh, they there were some signals. They said we're you know we're concerned. And so uh, a week ago, last Monday, I, I I did a heart had a heart cath. And so you know when you go into it, kind of my understanding was that there'd be one of three things that. They wouldn't need to do anything, or they'd need to put a stint in, or um, in the worst case scenario, they'd have to do bypass. Well, my dad had a bypass, and that was kind of it for him. And so my anxiety was pretty high. Um, And I wasn't going to tell anybody. I thought, nobody, there's no, you know, not anybody can do anything about this. But kind of as time went on, I thought, well, there's probably some people I need to let know. And so I I made those phone calls, had those conversations, um, and then told these guys. And um, uh, last Monday, or the week of last Monday, when I'm, I'm in the hospital, they're getting ready to put me under, and my family's there, that Kelly walks in and prays for me. Keith had an issue where he wasn't able to make it, but his wife Lisa showed up on his, his behalf because of our friendship, and, and was a part of that prayer, and prayed and that type of thing. And I, I just thought about these friendships that began with us as kids. And I think about the seasons that we've been through. You know, life... Life's not always fair. It's not always easy. You know, both my parents are past that. When you go through seasons like that, those aren't easy seasons. You know, going through an issue like this, not knowing the outcome, not being able to be in control of it is not an easy thing. And I, and I think about, you know, who we were as kids, but in every season of life, we've kind of been there for us with the challenges that you face as a 15-, 16-year-old, you know, endeavoring to serve God and and, you know, sometimes... You know, the option you have is you play risk together, you know, and so, um, and just having that to, you get to the place this season of life that, you know, you face some challenges and, and there's just something powerful about that. And, and again, I, I, I want us to be strategic, I, strategic enough to pray for our kids, you know, that they would find that and why they would find that. And, and then strategic enough to give them vision as to why they matter, and to put them in places where they have opportunities for those things to develop. And we don't just go to church because I say so. We go to churches because it's, God wants us to gather, but here's some things that can take place as a result of that. But then, but then also understanding, like with Jonathan, you know, what, what took place there was, was not anything you know, sexual or anything like that. It was, it was culturally a covenant. It was, what I have is yours. And what, what you have is mine. And so those things taking place, and with, with each one of those things, I, again, my hope is for, for all the parents in there, if your kids are you know, in the cradle, or if, they're, if you're empty nesters now, you, you still use your voice to know what matters, for them to have their own personal relationship with God, for them to keep God's things first, and for them to understand that godly friendships are not just good, they're not just important; they're critical. They anchor us into what we do. They they hold us accountable. They they push us. They challenge us, and they do that in in our lives. And so, so and not only are they good for our kids, but they're important for us as well. That if that we need godly friendships, who's that for you? Who anchors you when you get disappointed? When you get so busy, I'm doing bad things. We're just so busy that. The things of God are not the priority that they should be, and so you've drifted. Who is that for you? And we need that, and as we live out that example, you know, it was something for my kids. They've seen that in my life. You know, they, they got to see, you know, you show up in the hospital room. They've, they've seen that, those issues in my life, and I hope it paints a picture for them of how important that is for their own world. I, I want you to do this. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a minute. I want us just to spend just a moment with God and if if you have personally those godly friendships not just good friends godly friends in your world just begin to thank God for them don't take them for granted and if you don't personally begin to make it an issue of prayer for your own life God I need I need these friends that will encourage me that will correct me that if I drift, won't let me drift. But then also, if your kids have those, just be thankful for them. But if they don't, begin to do what Keith did and begin to pray for them. And then commit to give vision to your kids as to why, why do we go to church? Why do these things matter? Why do we put here? And then do what Kelly did. And write those notes of encouragement. Those things that where they leave the house that day. Just encouraged by that. Let's just spend a moment with God.